This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Engen Dunphy. Now, the relationship we have with our nearest neighbours has not been so good recently. And, of course, what's happening in Britain has a serious impact on the one million people on this island who are subject to British rule in Northern Ireland. And they have no parliament now, no assembly, and haven't had one for a long time. It is a very serious matter. So we have a stake, if you like, in what's happening in Britain. And what's happening in Britain is really quite remarkable. The Tory government has been in power for 13 years. They've had five or maybe six prime ministers, each one more catastrophic than the one that went before. And to discuss the latest series of extraordinary mishaps that has befallen Britain, we're joined now by Chris Johns. Chris is, of course, a respected commentator now, former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland, and his own podcast, Successful Too, called The Other Hand. Chris, let's start with yesterday's bad news, that over 100 schools in Britain will not be reopening on Monday when they should be reopening because they're liable to fall down because of faulty concrete that they were built with. Yeah, that's been taken as yet another example of a a more more general theme or meme, as they're called these days, of Britain doesn't work anymore. That might be a little unfair in this particular case. I don't know, actually. Um, I don't know whether they've just been unlucky with this concrete issue, or it is another example of somebody somewhere cutting corners, not investing enough money. All of the reasons why Britain in many ways doesn't, really doesn't work anymore, which is the lack of investment in ourselves. This may well be yet another example the um, hapless minister that was wheeled out onto the airwaves this morning to try and uh, explain all of this, because A, the fact that it's happened at all is dreadful. The timing is peculiar when you think about it just before the schools here are due to go back next week. Uh, It it means that an awful lot of uh, kids and parents, of course, and teachers are going to be massively disadvantage. And this comes at a time when it's emerging in various ways, and this will be common to both Britain and Ireland, the way in which children in particular are suffering still from the consequences of the uh, pandemic and the lockdowns 
and the lack of education, the lack of social interaction, all that long list of things that clearly have had long-lasting impacts on them. This is going to be added to that because some schools are going to have to close. There was a, a teacher on the airwaves uh, yesterday evening I was listening to quite carefully who was explaining how her primary school is being moved to uh, an M or a secondary school that has some spare spare classrooms. And she said the fundamental problem is, of course, is that the desks are all the wrong size. Yes. So that the desks are for bigger, uh, grown-up, uh, bigger children who are of secondary school age and all her primary school children are small. That's a, a, you know, a, a small example of the kind of problems that this throws up. Parents are going to have kids on multiple sites. It's, it's another mess. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, the, it's the latest in a long list of messes that Britain just seems to find one after the other. Uh, lots, several commentators have said, you know, how many different ways can we cock things up here? Yes, and there is a piece in today's Financial Times by one of their better journalists about the prospect of Britain rejoining the European Union. It isn't going to happen, of course, and the man who wrote the piece, Shrimsley, accepts that it's not going to happen. But he does point out, Chris, and I was surprised by this, that Polling shows that there is a majority now who think that Brexit was a mistake. It's certainly true, is it not, that from 2016, when that referendum was held and Cameron was the prime minister, who subsequently resigned, since 2016 and the victory for those who wanted to leave Europe, things have gone downhill at an ever-increasing rate for Britain. I mean, strikes, for example... Now, we learned yesterday, for the first time in their history, consultant doctors and junior doctors are going to go on strike at the same time. This has never happened before. 100 schools won't be reopening on Monday. Earlier in the week, a glitch in an air traffic control system in Britain closed down the skies for most of Europe for a long time, and tens of thousands of people were badly affected. And of course, as I said in my opening remarks, Chris, or introduction, the people of Northern Ireland have no government. Yeah, that's a, that's a long list to which I could add many other things. Uh, there was some uh, announcements this week about environmental policies or, or rowing back on environmental policies, for example. Yeah, that, and let me just interrupt you, which I don't like to do, Chris. Michael Gove, who one thinks of as being one of the more able Tory ministers, is now going to invade the Greenbelt and renege on environmental promises. Yeah, he is, he is, um, you could look up on social media now, Michael Gove, uh, a little while ago, talking about Britain's environmental credentials and how he was a green eco-warrior himself, and that, for example, leaving the European Union wouldn't mean that Britain would row back on its environmental commitments, its targets for net zero and all the rest of it. And this week, he led the charge on allowing builders to pollute waterways when they build houses, relaxing environmental discharge yes. considerations in, into water. In a, in, and with the claim being that uh, this will result in an extra 100,000 houses being built in Britain over the next few years uh, with all of the jobs and attendant uh, economic multiply effects that go with that. So it, it, it's, and in, in, a, with, in a straight face, Gove came on the airwaves and said, um, this will be net positive for the environment um, because of something else we're going to do over, over, over here. And he waffled on about using taxpayers' money to tighten up 
environmental considerations at another part of the supply chain. And it was all nonsense, of course. And, you know, uh, prominent people like uh, Northern Ireland's Fergal Sharkey, the famous uh, pop star yes. turned in environmental warrior, was, was, was everybody like that's quick out of the trap saying, you know, this is just them reneging on commitments that they have made taking Britain backwards. And it was, and as I say, this is just one in many, many different examples that I could give. Um, the air traffic control thing was, was astonishingly inept. Um, we're still not entirely sure how it happened. The article that you mentioned by Robert Shrimsley, the chief political writer for the FT, was really very, very interesting because it spoke to, I think, something that a lot of people have noticed here, which is that the British people seem to be ahead of the politicians on this issue because both Labour and Conservatives show no interest in discussing this issue at all to the extent that anybody says anything. Keir Starmer mutters, well, we're just going to make Brexit work and that's it. Nobody says anything about rejoining or the prospects of getting into the single market or the customs union or any of that really high, highly controversial stuff. They don't talk about it because this issue and other issues seem to split the country so neatly down the middle, in their opinion. So, for example, on the environment, the Tories and the and Labour are both hoist by their own logic, which is that they both believe that all of the oiks in the red wall constituencies hate environmental policies because they don't like, in David Cameron's words, that environmental crap, and that all the effete southerners love all of that environmental stuff. So what are you going to do with respect to policies? The best thing to have is a non-policy. And when you do something like this uh, waterways thing that Gove did earlier this week, tell uh, untruths about its actual consequences. So it, it, the environment and Brexit are two examples of them believing that their electorate is divided totally. On Brexit, it isn't, because as you rightly say, this article traced out the opinion polls, which are now that, you, as I say, the people of this country are way ahead of the politicians. It isn't split down the middle. It's split firmly. Now, at least two-thirds of people think it's been a disaster. That, of course, is not the same thing as saying that it would be a good idea to rejoin at the current juncture, because to go through another Brexit campaign, I think most of us would rather cut our leg off with a blunt penknife than go through all of that sort of stuff again. And that's why I think one of the reasons why the politicians reside against this, this sort of thing. But sooner or later, we are going to have to start talking about this stuff. Um, but at the moment, we're not. Yes, I have to say, as a European, I think the Europeans might feel that they don't really want to go into that row again. Another bad sign, Chris, I suggest to you, is the appointment yesterday of Grant Shapps, to be Minister for Defence, a, a very good Minister for Defence, Ben Wallace, has walked away from the job. Wallace was a serious politician, you could say a heavyweight in the context of the present Tory party. Grant Shapps has held five cabinet positions now in the last 12 months and is, by any standards, a lightweight. It's a remarkable appointment and it appears that he, he was appointed Minister for Defence, given all that's happening with Russia and China and the rest. He's a friend of Rishi Sunak and a supporter. Absolutely. And that's why I think these, these appointments are made historically, not just this one. Um, there's, a, there's a fantastic book, if any of your readers are interested enough in the British political system, that explains all of this in great detail and in an entertaining way, written by a commentator called Ian Dunt. And it's called how Westminster works and how it doesn't. 
and he spends a long time in this book explaining, and he wrote it before yesterday's appointment, but it explains yesterday's appointment brilliantly, and he talks about the tenure of the average cabinet minister. The average minister in the UK is about 10 minutes. I exaggerate slightly, but you get my point. Yes. And they, they have no time at all to get their feet under the desk, to learn about their brief. They're often, they often go into ministries about which they know absolutely nothing anyway. They're not given time to learn anything. And the only thing that ever happens in Britain is that you get a minister coming in knowing that their tenure is going to be very short because they'll either be demoted back to the back benches or reshuffled off somewhere else within a very short space of time, usually months, not years. Ben Wallace, the outgoing Defence Secretary, was extremely unusual in having served for four years and had a some knowledge of things military. Yes. So he, he ticked a lot of boxes that most cabinet ministers in Britain, going back years, do not. So you might remember a cabinet minister called Chris Grayling. Yes, I do. His, his nickname was Failing Grayling. Yes. He, he was the one that famously uh, purchased some ships from a, uh, uh, from a company that uh, made pizzas. Um, <laughs> I again exaggerate slightly, but he he was responsible. What people know about that episode? He what, was in Theresa May's cabinet, yeah. wasn't he? He was also responsible for a, a, the most uh, catastrophic reform of the probation service. Now, the details of which doesn't matter. But what he had to do, he this is what they do when they come in because they know that they've only got a short tenure, and they can't. Uh, do anything during that short tenure. They tried to make an impact via newspaper headlines, and he tried to reform the prison service, in particular the probation service, and it was catastrophic. And we are still suffering from the effects of that today. The criminal justice system in the UK, for all sorts of reasons, including that one, is falling apart. It's another example of the way in which Britain doesn't work. Grant Shapps, um, you know that there's a, a po very, very popular morning radio show called The, the Today Programme. I do in indeed, yes. We listen to it most mornings at 6 a.m. it starts. In media circles, we, Grant Shapps has been labelled for quite some time now the Minister for the Today Programme. Right. Because he is the one that during the pandemic, during Boris Johnson's fights with just about everybody, during everything that uh, has happened to the Conservative Party over the last few years, last 13 years, he's the one more than any other that's wheeled out to defend the indefensible. And the contortions that he has put himself through and us listeners through to the Today programme have been a, nothing short of extraordinary. His tenure in the, in the Ministry of Defence, of course, is going to be very, very short because we've probably got... We don't know whether it's going to be a spring or an autumn election next year. It's going to be soon. So therefore, he is going almost certainly uh, to be as on the losing side. So he's not going to be defence minister for very long. So you could argue that it's not going to matter very much. But of course, it matters because we have a war in Ukraine. We have uh, a, a, a defence system in the UK that needs modernising for all of the, the, partly the lessons that we've learned from modern warfare in Ukraine, and a, a crisis of public spending that mean, that includes the fact that we have to spend more on defence rather than less going forward. And he's not the man to take on board any no, of these and, issues at all. And there's, there's serious tensions in the South China Sea, and the Chinese are making throwing shapes at Taiwan, Australia, Japan, and of course, the United States and Britain all have a stake in this, don't they? Absolutely. And, and Grand Chaps is in charge of the British end of things. And Britain is still regarded as having a capable military, an important military uh, uh, defence infrastructure. It is a nuclear power. All of these things are incredibly important in this very, very dangerous world 
that we live in. And I, I just, just wonder what Sunak, well, I don't wonder what Sunak was thinking. I know what he was thinking. He had to have a loyal ally, as you say, a friend, um, put into this into this uh, key key ministry, uh, but but Shaps has no military background whatsoever. He he knows absolutely nothing about his brief. I presume he knows a lot more today than he did yesterday, thanks to the efforts of his civil servants. But Tom Tugendhat, which is another Tory name that you know well, we previously yes. thought of him as being relatively sensible during previous times. Um, he um, t- two messages that he put out um, one yesterday, one on Ben Wallace's appointment. Actually, stand in stark contrast to each other. He congratulated Wallace on his appointment four years ago because the the leadership he was is be, be able to display on day one because of his own experience in the military world, um, his depth of knowledge about his field, and uh, all the other things that you need to be a serious Secretary of State for Defence. And yesterday, Tugendhat, the same man that listed all the qualities that you need four years ago to be a great Secretary of State for Defence, defended <laughs> Shap's appointment by saying, you don't need any of these things. You just, you just need to be a good politician. Extraordinary stuff. And yeah. so th- these people will contort themselves shamelessly. And, uh, of course, the, 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 one of the many problems that we face is, is the lack of good quality journalists who push back. They do exist. I mentioned one name, Ian Dunt. They tend to write books rather than anything else, which, of course, nobody reads these days. Um, But we don't have enough uh, uh, people holding these people to account, that old-fashioned expression. And um, so, therefore, they just get away with this stuff, at least until the next general election. The timing of which is now really interesting because the the, the real issue is, does Sunak want to go to the country next spring or does he want to endure another summer of not stopping the boats and going to the country in the autumn? That really is the only only choice that he faces. Yeah, I mean, there's a series of things you could quote to prove the decline in Britain. Nadine Doris is a name that springs to mind. She was the culture minister under Boris Johnson, She has vacated her seat last week. That means there will be a by-election. One of the things she wanted to do was make the BBC a subscription service from 2027. The other thing she wanted to do as culture secretary was to privatise Channel 4. Now, Boris Johnson promoted her to that job and then he tried to, in his resignations honours list, put her in the Lords, but Sunak cancelled that. He refused to allow that to go through. The question I have for you, Chris, is what does it feel like to live in a country where, you know, that lady was in charge of something very important? Even our glorious tabloid media media couldn't make that one look good. Um, I could use all sorts of lurid expressions here, but I, I will refrain. Mm. Um the, the, People here look at that, and I think despair is the wrong word, but they, they, they certainly look, look away and think about something else because the, her behavior since she was turned down for becoming a member of the House of Lords has been extraordinary, even by the behavioral standards that we've witnessed in various guises in, in recent years. She, she clearly, went on strike, didn't she? She went a, on strike. The toys got thrown yeah. out of the pram, basically. It was petulant, it was childish. Uh, it verged on deranged, quite frankly, in terms of the things that that she was saying. She's written a book, which has now been, the publication of which has been delayed because the lawyers have got involved, because apparently she's saying things that she shouldn't be saying. I'm not sure if it involves national secrets or any other 
uh, terrible things that she might be trying to to reveal. She penned a letter to Rishi Sunak, which uh, frankly yeah. did verge on deranged in terms of what she accused him of. And uh, she again re- revealed, uh, quite frankly, her adoration of Boris Johnson, if, if not infatuation, just an extraordinary relationship between those those two people. And she really did uh, behave extremely badly simply as a result of, of being turned down by, by Rishi Sunak. And if you think about all the other things that Rishi Sunak lets go, all of the other things that Rishi Sunak doesn't bother with, yes. um, he doesn't bother with engaging with the Northern Ireland political process, for example. And to actually get yourself uh, to discover where Rishi Sunak's red lines in the sand actually are drawn. Um, it, it, Nadine Doris's um, peerage appears to be it. And, and that, yeah. I think, is an extraordinary statement in and of itself, given everything else that he hasn't done. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The responsibility for the North is a very serious, perhaps the most serious question, certainly in British, what you might call, quote-unquote, foreign policy. But the relationship with this island was very good for a very long time. And post the Good Friday Agreement or the Belfast Agreement, whatever you choose to call it. And it's very demoralizing now for the people who need government in the North, that is, they need the assembly back up and running because decisions have to be made, the economy's in rag order. This is really Britain, and this government in particular, Chris, seems to be the worst government in living memory. 
Well, it certainly abdicated any sense of responsibility for the North, but it plays to, I think, a broader theme, which is that they know cynically, that they know, they believe that most people in Britain don't even know where Northern Ireland is, let alone care about how it is, is that governed. True? That is true, isn't it, Chris? I think broadly it is true. It's not true of everybody, of course. No, but, no, but politically sophisticated it does, it doesn't people... Count. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't count, does it? It doesn't count. And provided whatever happens in Northern Ireland, be it good, bad, or indifferent, stays in Northern Ireland, it never impinges on the consciousness, and it certainly never makes the media here in, in Great Britain, in GB. It, it really is not something that uh, is thought about very deeply on the streets here at all. Now, I'm sure there might be one or two people in Whitehall who think very deeply about, about the North, but they are the exception rather than the rule. And I think that cynically... The body politic in Whitehall says, OK, look, provided we can make sure that whatever is happening in the North, whatever that is, um, stays there, um, nobody is ever going to care in, in, in GB. Now, that's all very well. And I suspect that sort of thinking has actually informed British policy in the past, yes. as well as the present day. And the problem, of course, is that it's utterly unsustainable. Sooner or later, something has to give. Now, we know what happened in the past, and I'm not suggesting for a second that that's where we're going in the future. But when something is unsustainable, that's what it is. And it, clearly, the northern political situation is unsustainable. And anybody that tries to guess what's going to happen going forward is doing precisely that, just guessing. But it, it's, it's a dereliction of duty. I mean, it is Britain, it is GB's duty to, to sort Northern Ireland out politically, to make it a better place than it is right now. And it's a dereliction of duty that is just essentially ignoring it. And isn't that underlined by the fact, if there was a debate between Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak tomorrow, an election debate, the question of Northern Ireland would not arise. And if it did arise, they just talk in platitudes. Absolutely. If there was, say, a, a, a question and answer type program in which the two leaders were there to debate questions thrown at them from the audience, you would get uh, the odd question about Brexit. I'm not even sure if you get that anymore, given how toxic and, and people regard that subject. You get the economy, you get the NHS. The NHS would be the first, second and third yes. question. Rail strikes would be another question. The state of Britain's schools the state of Britain's waterways, because it's not just the announcement this week about British water waterways being polluted by builders um, is, was the thing this week, is, of course, the water companies have been pumping raw sewage into these waterways for quite some time, we've recently discovered, and indeed onto Britain's beaches. The questions would be about those kinds of issues. The chances of a Northern Ireland question coming up at that kind of session are about nil, unless somebody from Northern Ireland was actually in the audience. And, of course, that won't happen. Finally, Chris, the British press and its influence on politics, the fear it generates, I think, in many politicians and the naked partisanship in terms of the Tory party in particular seems to render Britain barely a democracy. Well, it certainly renders us an outlier because we, we, we do have the most extraordinary partisan um, press. If you, if you ever pollute your, your mental processes with the stuff that these tabloids, the expresses, the males of this world produce, 
Um, you, 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 it's extraordinary stuff. The, the, its connection to reality is tenuous at best, nil at worst. And if, if and, and occasionally they are responsible for promoting or encouraging, both implicitly and sometimes explicitly, the weirdest conspiracy theories. I mean, it's gone. It's always been this way for the British press, but it's gone. It's gone from bad to worse, and it does pollute the political discourse. The, to, to the extent where, that I think that one of the things that's happening is that most centrist-type people are now switching off politics because the interaction of the media, of the print media in particular, but also their online versions, the Mail Online, for example, is one of the most widely read websites in the world. Um, the way in which they have polluted the public square means that more people than ever are just turned off politics altogether. And a lot of Tory politicians... I'm talking MPs and ministers even, left politics, have left politics over the past decade. The really, yeah. the decent ones, the more intelligent ones, the one nation Tories as they were, as they could be described, who believed in something. And they vacated the space that was occupied by Boris Johnson, et al., and Nadine Doris, and many others, Liz Truss, and so on. Is the Tory party, and this is a really desperate question you have to ask, is it a party that is run by its members, the reactionary, comfortably off people who, who vote when there's a final choice? And isn't that a terrible situation? Is that not a classic case of the tail wagging the dog? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you could argue that the whole country is run by the uh, old, comfortably off generation in, in their interests. Yes. Um, one of the reasons why Britain, and, and this is partly true in Ireland as well, it's not, these are, these are phenomena not exclusive, unique to the UK, um, is that, you know, the membership of the Tory party is typically old. They're the ones that don't want the green belt at all built on. If, if anybody seeks planning yes. permission to, you know, to put a shed up in this country, you find 432 objectors and the objectors always win. We don't build anything anymore because old people find the current set of circumstances, the money they have in the bank, the pensions they're getting paid comfortable. And they don't want their environment disturbed by young people getting houses built for them. That's an exaggeration, of course, but you, you get the sense of where oh, I'm yes. coming from. More generally, uh, again, a way in which this is not unique to the UK, the the, the, the takeover of the conservative, the old-fashioned Tory party, by these right-wing, typically ultra-nationalist, uh, very right-wing, anti-European, the list of things that they believe in is 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 quite Trumpian, yes. actually. And you could argue that the way in which the grand old party, the Republican Party in the United States, has gone, there's been a twin-track approach for the Tory Party as well. They've pa followed parallel paths, similar yes. paths, um, to this to this uh, journey to to an extreme position. Um, and we know that we still are very, very unsure and very worried about the consequences of that for the United States. Um, we may end up in a similar difficult place here in the UK. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit different. At the moment, if the opinion polls are anything to go by, what will happen in the States is that you'll get an election next year with 50, 50%, well, 49% will vote for one candidate, 51% will vote for another, and the country will be as divided the day after the election. The same yes. election will take place at a similar time next year here in the UK. But I think the, 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 at the moment, it looks like the Tory party is going to be eviscerated. So there will be a different outcome. Okay, Chris, we'll watch it, of course, with great interest. And the people of Northern Ireland will watch it 
with some concern. As always, it's thanks to you, Chris. Chris Johns is a former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland and now a respected commentator. We're grateful to him, as always, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.